0: Wow, this is incredible! So excited, my heart's beating fast. I'm just so excited right now, guys. I've been praying for this night all summer long. I've been believing that God wants to do something new. Okay, like I've been believing that God wants to break through. Like the kind of the word that God has given me this summer is just breakthrough. Like break through our ceilings, you know, the limits we put on ourselves. Break through the limits that this campus has seen as far as like faith goes, and. It's incredible tonight, you know, this is like the largest group we've ever had by far, and, and God is just doing something. So I'm excited to jump into the Word and, and just see what God has for us tonight. So if you're new, guys, I want to say welcome. I'm so excited you're here. I'm so excited you're here. I'm looking at so many new people right now. Guys, thank you for coming. I know that it's Tuesday night. It's kind of it's foggy outside. You don't really want to go out of your dorm, I'm sure, but, but you came here tonight to hang out with us, and that is a blessing, and we're thankful for that. Then if you're returning, thank you for returning. I didn't know if you would. After last year, me preaching all year, I'm glad you came back. Um, Yeah, so tonight we're starting just a brand new sermon series called Brand New, okay? Ooh, that was neat. Brand New. And this series was really placed on my heart back in January. So I was going to preach at a church, my home church down in Coralville, and God gave me this, just this idea of brand new, that God wants to do brand new things. And, And then I started to think about this year, and then God placed this series on my heart, and we're going to talk about four things. We're talking about how Jesus forgives us tonight. The next week, we're going to talk about how Jesus sets us free from our sin. And the third week, we're going to talk about just how Jesus satisfies us. Nothing else can satisfy us. And then the fourth week, we're going to talk about how Jesus gives us purpose. So it's going to be an incredible series, especially to bring your friends to. I'm just excited to see what God's going to do. So for those of you who don't know me, my name is Daniel Quimby, as you saw in the slide, that nifty thing we made. So you can see my name. I'm the lead pastor here at Chi Alpha. And actually, five years ago, we had... So they, Dude in the back, turn around. Just look at him right there, Jonathan Bartholo. Five years ago, he started this ministry. Okay, and I was one of his students. Let's give him a round of applause, seriously. So he started this ministry, and it was 2011. Ooh, this thing's new, so let's see how it works. 2011. And I met my wife during the first service, just right over there. And there's only like 18 students in here. So it's like half a row filled, okay? It was really fun. We just sought God to like 11 because we could because there were only like 15 of us and no one wanted to leave. It was an incredible night. And then God just did something supernatural for the next two years as, as students began to come to know the Lord. And God really worked in my heart as well. Just as he, uh, you know, so just right before I came to Kai Alpha, and I'll talk about this, but I just, or just had come to the Lord. And God just really grew me through Kai Alpha I found discipleship. I got filled with the Holy Spirit. We're going to talk about that in a few weeks. Uh, God called me into ministry. Like obviously, I met my wife. So, Kyle is dear to my heart. And then last year, I came back to lead Kyle. And it's been a blessing to be able to do that. It's an honor to me. You know, I was a student here for, for a couple of years. And it's just such an honor to be able to lead you guys. So, there's something I like to do when I speak to a new group of people or speak at the beginning of the year. is Just share my story. Just kind of tell you where I've been, because I think it's really important for me to not just get up here and proclaim truth at you, but I want you to know my heart. I want you to know where I've been, and uh, just what God has done in my life. I just want you to trust me, okay? Trust that I'm for you, that I love you, that God has placed us here. So I'm going to share my story. So I'm a second-generation Christian, so what's that mean? That means my parents are the first Christians in my family line. When I was three years old, uh, my, parent, or my mom got in a car accident, broke her neck, she was drinking and driving, and then... The secretary at the doctor's office, where she was going, uh, was actually a pastor's wife and shared Jesus with her, and and then my mom gave her heart to the Lord, and then shortly after my dad gave his heart to the Lord. So for me, ever since I've been four years old, I've known Jesus, all because someone shared their faith with my mom, and I'm so thankful for her. and And it's been cool. So I've grown up in the church. I've uh, grown up in this thing called church, you know. And and when I got to high school, though, I began to, or some sin began to creep in my life. I, began to dishonor God just in different ways. So the first thing was I just became addicted to pornography. So, okay, that might have freaked you out that I shared that with you. Uh, but here we're going to be real with each other, okay? So I was addicted to pornography, and that actually lasted for about uh, six years, actually until I got to Chi Alpha. So I was addicted to pornography the whole time, and that began to separate me. And then when I got to be a junior in high school, I started to drink and just, you know, dishonor God with girls and just things like that, doing the party scene. And did that for two years and you know, trying to find, find meaning in that and find meaning in that community because I didn't feel like I was getting it from the church. Um, and then, so right before I came here to you and I, it was July 22nd, so about a month before I came. So think back to July, okay? It's not that long ago, so it was like that short of a time frame. I was at a party and I just did some things that I never wanted to do. I kind of crossed that line. Like, you know, I think all of us set these boundaries. Like, you know, I'm still a good person if I don't do this or if I don't do that. I'm still a Christian if I don't do that. And that night, I just crossed all the lines that I had set, you know, these superficial lines that I had set for myself. And, and I finally realized just how sinful I was. Like, it took going that far to to realize that I really am incredibly sinful before God. And then just my heart was hard. I can still remember the way I felt as I just laid there on the ground and, my heart just began to harden because I knew that I couldn't continue living my life that way and call myself a Christian. Because I look at the Bible and it says things like, deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. You know, Jesus just has these demands on our lives. And, and I began to look at my life and just said, I don't live like a Christian at all. So I have to choose. You know, what am I going to do? So the next day, I went home and, and I just began to weep before the Lord. I just began to ask Him, could you ever forgive me, God? I've done this, that, and that. I can't get over my addictions. Could you ever forgive me? And to be honest, in the moment, I didn't hear anything. I just, began, or I just kept weeping. Then my mom came into the room. She, just as a woman who, who hears from God, and she came and already knew what happened. She began to pray for me, and she just said this profound thing, just one line. She said, God, show Daniel that there's nothing that could ever separate him from your love. And In that moment, I understood it finally, that I'm more flawed than I could ever imagine, but at the same time, I'm more loved than I could ever dream, and that should change the way that I live my life. It transformed me in that moment. I felt new. Like, or 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. And I felt that way. I felt new. I felt like, wow, I'd done so much. But Jesus still loves me. How is that possible? Then I began to understand the cross where Jesus was crucified for our sins. And, and Jesus bore the penalty for my sin, for all those sins I committed. He paid the penalty. And now God looks at me and sees Jesus. Because Jesus paid the price for my sin, and that transformed me. And then a week later, this guy who's doing Chi Alpha calls me on the phone, and he says, I'm trying to start this campus ministry. It's called Chi Alpha. You know, I'd heard of all the other ones. I hadn't heard of Chi Alpha. And Jonathan says, hey, man, you want to play drums for our worship team? We're trying to get a worship team together. And I said, okay, I can do that. You know, I like to play drums. But I told him, I was like, man, I have a crazy story. You know, just like a week ago, I wasn't really following Jesus. He's like, I don't care. And I came and, and did Chi Alpha, and then I told you that story already, how God just transformed my life through Chi Alpha, and I felt called into ministry, and we left and went to Bible college for, for a couple of years, and then came back to lead this ministry. And my, guys, my mission is to proclaim to all of you that there's nothing that could ever separate you from the love of God, no matter what you've done. But it doesn't stop there, okay? It doesn't stop there. When we grasp that truth, it should transform our lives. When we understand that Jesus Paid the price for our sins. He was beaten, bruised, and put on a cross for our sins. That should change the way we live. See, Jesus didn't just come to forgive us or to forgive us of our sins, but he came to give us power over our sins through his grace. I'm proclaiming that truth. I'm going to keep proclaiming that truth for the rest of my life. I'm not going to give up proclaiming that because it transformed me. And we can get that, get the true gospel. like Not this story that he'd go to church, you talk off a couple of things, do your religion thing, and then God might love you. You know, the gospel that says that Jesus loved us when we were so sinful, that Jesus came and paid the price for our sins. So that's what I want to do. That's what I'm going to do with my life. All right, let's pray, guys. Jesus, we thank you for tonight. We thank you for all these students. We thank you that you love each of us so much. God, we pray that your gospel would be preached tonight. We pray that your Holy Spirit would speak We pray that every heart would encounter your love tonight. God, I want every heart in this room to know the truth that I found out five years ago, that there's nothing that could separate them from your love. I pray right now, even, Lord, that you begin to speak that to them, begin to speak their name and just tell them that they're loved by you, that you know everything about them and you care about them, that there's nothing that they could ever do to separate themselves from you. Jesus, have your way. In your name, amen. All right, so I'm convinced that there's really two types of sinners in the world. There's kind of two categories. So some of us are a little bit more wild, okay? Like me, I'm a little bit wild. I like to get crazy. I'm a free spirit. Some of us are that way. You know, we just kind of want to do our thing. God, don't tell me what to do. I'm going to do my thing, Lord. You know, I'll go to church maybe once in a while, like on Christmas and Easter, but I'm going to do my thing the rest of the year. I'm going to the hill. Come on. Like everyone's going. Some of us are on that side, okay? Like we pursue the pleasures of the world more than we pursue God. Then I think there's another group of us. There's another type of sinner. It's the religious sinner. We are kind of uptight. We want to follow rules. We want to be the good kid. We want to do good works. We want God to be proud of us. We want to be a, a, we're a proud people. We're proud of what we've done for God. We're proud of all the rules we've obeyed, all the times we went to church. We are proud of that. We're self-righteous. But what's wrong with being religious, you ask? The great sin of this more religious group of people is we often only pursue God for what he can give us. We don't pursue him for him. We pursue God because he might give us heavenly trinkets and presents. We pursue God for what he can give us in return. We think we're putting God in our debt by obeying him and then he'll give us something in return like get out of hell free card, come on. Like I'm not gonna go to hell now, I'm not gonna get judged. We just obey God so then he'll give us stuff. We don't really want God, let's be honest. So there's two types of sinners I think and that's what we're gonna talk about tonight. And I didn't come up with this on my own. Jesus did. I'm not that smart, okay? I haven't, like, figured out the whole world of sin all by myself. Jesus, in Luke 15, talks about this. He tells a story of two brothers. If you want to turn to Luke 15, verse 11 through, 30, through 32, if you don't know where that is, it's kind of in the, about 75% of the way through the Bible. If you see Matthew, Mark, and then it's Luke, and you go to chapter 15, verse 11. We're going to be hanging out there tonight. So in Luke 15, Jesus tells a story of two brothers who fall into these two categories, okay? So one brother, he's a crazy dude. He's going to go for a wild ride. He's going to do his thing. It's the younger brother. He's going to do his thing. The older brother it's the more religious dude. This guy is going to just obey the rules because he wants to get some rewards. He wants to get what he's owed. So there's two brothers that don't actually love their father on earth, but they just want to get things from him in different ways. So let's read this story. It, or it's Luke 15, verse 11. It'll be up on the screen. Let's read it. It says, And he said, There was a man who had two sons. And the, or and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me this share of property that is coming to me. And he divided his property between them. So this request would have been shocking to these listeners, to the, to the original listeners when Jesus is telling this story, because asking for your inheritance and, or ahead of your father's death is pretty much saying that, I don't even care if you die. I just want the stuff now. So he, or so this brother wants the father's stuff, but he doesn't even care if he has a relationship with his dad. His, re, or his relationship with his dad was just a means to get wealth, to get, to get gifts, and now he was over his dad, and he just wanted to get the stuff and get going. And what's even more profound is the way the father responds. The father doesn't say, no, you can't do that. He doesn't condemn him or kick him out, which is what would have happened in this culture. The father would have disowned him, kicked him out of the house and said, don't come back. But the father, or just says, and he divided his property between them. So he gives him a third or a third of his estate. It's that's incredible. That's, that's love right there just to say, oh, go ahead. I'm not going to kick you out. I'm not going to disown you. Let's go to verse 13. It says, not many days later, the younger son gathered all that he had and took a journey into a far country. Drums. <laughs> and there he squandered his property In reckless living. And then when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country who sent him into his fields to feed pigs. And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate and no one gave him anything. So in other words, things went very bad. For the son. His father's money actually wasn't that satisfying and he blew through it right away and there's a famine and, and all of a sudden he's rolling around with pigs. So he goes from having a ton of money, he's just like, woo college kid, going crazy, got my dad's inheritance, and then he's rolling around with pigs. It happened pretty fast. It's crazy. All right, let's go on. Verse 17. But then he came to himself and he said, how many of my father's hired servants have, or have more than enough bread, but I sit here and I perish with hunger. So I will... Get up and go to my father, and I'll say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and also before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. So the son realized that being with his father was actually better than what the world had to offer and the world's empty promises, and he devised this plan. He said, I'm going to go, and I'm going to say, Father, I've sinned against heaven and before you. This great speech. He plans this out. In verse 20, It says, and he arose and came to his father. But then he was still still a long way off. His father saw him. So he's coming. probably got pig poop on him or something. He's walking towards his father. His father sees him. And what does his father do? He feels compassion. And he runs and embraces him and kisses him. The father sees him. Guys, don't miss this. The father sees him and he runs to him a patriarch in this Middle Eastern culture. He's a man of stature and nobility. And the father picks up his robes, bears his legs, and begins to run towards his son. And then he runs and him and plants a big kiss on him. This is huge. This would have been demeaning for this man. But he loved his son so much. He knew everything he had done. He loved him so much that he ran to him and he hugged him and kissed him. This is off the charts, love. Verse 21, And the son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and before you, and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring quickly the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. So the son starts to recite his nice speech, but the father interrupts him and puts on, or gives him his own robe, the best robe, puts it on his son's, and says, I'm not going to make you a hired hand. I'm not going to make you pay off your debt but you are back in the family. I will cover your poverty and your nakedness. Verse 23, And bring the fattened calf and kill it, and let's eat and celebrate. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. So he then proceeds to throw a big party for his son. This is off the charts. This is beautiful. This is forgiveness at its finest. It doesn't matter who you are. Doesn't matter where you've been, it doesn't matter what you've done. Through Jesus, you can have forgiveness from God. You could be the most rebellious person in the world, the craziest past, and God will run to you and embrace you and kiss you. Jesus knows everything about you. He knows every hair on your head. He knows every thought you've ever thought. Think about this. Think about if we put every thought that you ever thought up on that screen. That's scary. I don't want you guys to see all my thoughts. But God sees all those thoughts. He sees every evil thing you've thought about, every evil thing you've done, every sin you committed when the door's closed. And he loves you. He loves you. He runs to you. This is incredible. There's no sin that compares to God's extravagant grace. There's nothing that can come against the grace of God. There's nothing that can separate you from his love. So the younger brother's story shows us just how incredible God's grace is for the sinner who pursues the world over God. The Father doesn't give you a chance to clean up your life or to recite a speech. He embraces you, and He kisses you, and He welcomes you into His family openly. But this isn't the end of the story, okay? This is where typically in church you stop. You're like, that's cool. I want that. Let's go. Let's run to God. But it doesn't stop there. Verse 25 says this. Now his older son was in the field, and as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. And he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, your brother has come and your father has killed the fattened calf because he, had, because he has received him back safe and sound. But he was angry and he refused to go in. Then his father comes out and entreats him. So, he, so the brother refuses to participate in the celebration. He is publicly displaying his disagreement with his father's grace and his father's decision. And the father even comes out to speak to him and to try to convince him to come and say, please come in, which is very demeaning once again for a patriarch in this culture to come out and have to beg his son to come into the party that he's throwing. But he comes out and entreats him. Verse 29, but he answered his father, he says, look. Okay, so for us to even say that to our dad is disrespectful. Look, but in this culture it's even more disrespectful. Or, or so get this, he's pretty much cussing him out. So he says, look, these many years I have served you. And I never disobeyed your command. That you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But when the son of yours came, you know, it's not his brother anymore, it's the son of yours came, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fattened calf for him. So the older brother is upset that his father would pay this much to welcome the younger brother back in. By bringing him back in, the younger brother will once again be... Or be an heir to the wealth, so they already had to divide it and give him a third, and now they're going to divide that half, or that two-thirds, into thirds again. So, he's, or so they have to divide again, and the older brother's just like, I'm losing a lot of stuff from this. I'm going to lose more stuff because this joker comes back to my dad. I've been obeying him for years. I've been doing everything I need to do. And he said to him, son, you are always with me, and all that is mine is yours. He said, son, you're always with me. We're together all the time. And all that is mine is yours. I've given you everything. I've given you everything. I've, I've loved you. I've treated you as my son. We're together. Don't complain that I'm just showing love to your brother. He says, verse 32, it was fitting to celebrate and be glad. For this, your brother was dead, and now he's alive. He was lost, and now he's found. So the father responds with grace. Just think about both, or both scenes here. So he runs to the younger brother, then he just comes out and gently tries to have the older brother come in. Both of them he pursues. And God pursues all of us. God pursues everyone. doesn't matter what your sin is, God pursues, or pursues each of us in different ways. So the father comes to the brother and says, "I'm not going to disown your younger brother, and I don't want to disown you either. So swallow your pride. come into the party. The choice is yours. So then this story ends, because Jesus is actually giving this story to a group of Pharisees, which were the religious people of the day. So what Jesus is doing here is telling the Pharisees, are you going to go into the party and have true relationship with God? Are you going to swallow your pride, stop thinking you're better than everyone else, and come into the party and have true relationship with God, where you know that it's only by his grace that you're saved? That's what he's asking. He ends the story. He doesn't say how it ends there. He doesn't say if the brother goes back in. And for all of us religious people, that's the question tonight. Are we going to go back into the party are we going to have a relationship with God? Are we going to swallow our pride, stop thinking we've earned something, and bow before the King of kings and Lord of lords and say, we are so sinful, just in different ways than the crazy people. We're so sinful. And come and repent, have true repentance before God, and stop thinking we've earned something. That's the question. So the main point tonight is this. Jesus makes us brand new through extravagant forgiveness. So if this story shows us anything, it shows us that the Father's love is ridiculous. Okay. It's ridiculous. It's incredible. It's off the charts. better not move too much. The Father loves all of us younger brothers in here. He loves all of us who have pursued the world over him, done the party thing like I did. He loves you so much. For those of you who have just openly disobeyed God and pursued other things over him, he loves you just like he loves the younger brother. But at the same time, God loves those of us who have used religion for our personal benefit but have never actually entered into an intimate relationship with him. So God is eager and ready to forgive both of these groups of people. All we must do is do what the younger brother did and run back to God. He's going to be there. He's going to hug you. He's going to kiss you. But you have to turn to him and say, I don't care what's going to hold me back. I don't care. I don't care about my past. I don't care about my pride. I'm laying it all down and I'm running before the king of kings and I'm repenting, which means to turn the other way, to to turn from your sin. So, so no matter what our sin looks like, we need to surrender to God today and repent. So we are either the younger brother type or we're the older brother. Just ask yourself now, who are you? I've been asking myself this week, who am I more like? Honestly, I'm kind of like both. So it stinks for me. I'm like in a whole other category of I'm just messed up. <laughs> but, but ask yourself that question. Ask yourself that question. So there's two things I want to just unpack quickly for us. The first thing is this. Like the younger brother, we need to repent for pursuing the world instead of Jesus. The great sin of humanity is pursuing God's stuff over God Himself. Everything on earth, in its purest form, is a good gift from God. It's something God created for you to enjoy. But then, when we take those good things and make them into God's in our life or make them into ultimate things, that's when it becomes sin. So let's talk about it. Sex. Beautiful, holy, great gift from God. I love sex. I'm married. Because I, I love sex. It's a good gift from God. But when we make sex into when we make sex into an ultimate thing like I did in high school, it becomes sin because we pervert it and twist it. It becomes the Lord of our life. That's when it becomes sin. Sex is a gift. Let's talk about money. I like money. I like cash flow. I like to be able to buy stuff. Crap, can't walk over there. I love money. But if we take money, which God has called us to steward and to use for his purposes and to take care of our needs, if we take that and then make it into an ultimate thing, it becomes greed. It becomes sin. It becomes the Lord of our life. Let's do one more. Food. I struggle with that one too. (laughs) I love food. I'm going to eat so many chicken wings in a half hour. Come on, somebody. Those are good. All right. So food. But food, it's a good gift from God. But for some of us, food becomes an ultimate thing and then becomes gluttony. (coughs) All right, thank you. I get some amens from the speaker, I feel like. All right. So if we're honest with each other, all of us have made good things into ultimate things at some point in our life. We pursued the world over Jesus. We have pursued success, money, popularity, sex, and pleasure over God. We've taken good gifts from God and made them into ultimate things and they have become the gods of our life. And we've just put Jesus behind we're like Jesus, I don't care about you, or he's just like one of many gods in our life. Like, on Sunday, okay, Jesus, you're God. But on Friday, come on, get my party on. Like, seriously, some of us have done that. Actually, all of us. I feel like I've done that in some way or the other. But like the younger brother had to realize, the father's stuff without the father himself will lead to poverty and nakedness. It's going to lead to despair. I'll just tell you now, I've tried it. I've tried everything. It leads to despair and to emptiness and to hopelessness and to feel like your life means nothing. So we all need to have a... Or just have a just have that moment like the younger brother did where he comes and in, in verse 18 he says I will rise and go to my father and I'll say to him father I've sinned against heaven and before you I'm no longer worthy to be called your son treat me as one of your hired servants we need to come to God and say God I, I'm not worthy I'm not worthy I just want to be your servant come to him and then he's going to embrace us and love us and call us a son or daughter we all need to have that or to have that moment to come to God and humbly repent so for me personally, I thought that pornography and sexual activity outside the covenant of marriage would make me joyful. I thought that I could take God's gift and, and make them lords of my life. I thought I, or that alcohol, the party scene, would complete me. I thought being popular, I tried that. It didn't work for me. I don't know. Like, you guys are cooler than me. It did not work for me. I tried being popular. didn't work out. I got straight A's in high school. Got a scholarship here. That didn't satisfy me. None of these things made for good gods in my life. Like, I was crazy about school, okay? Like, I would, like, yell at people, get out of my room. I'm doing homework. I need to get an A. And some of us are like that, probably like 50% of us in here. Like, I need to get my homework done. It's the most important thing. That's the way I was like. But ultimately, that God is crummy compared to Jesus. But everything I pursued over God has left me rolling around with the pigs, just like the younger brother experienced. And the only person in life who can be the Lord of our life, the only one who can lead us to joy and salvation is Jesus Christ. So maybe you relate with this younger brother. Maybe you pursued the world over God, and you pursued his stuff over him, God calls you to repent. God calls you to repent. I'm not going to sugarcoat the message. God calls you to repent to say, this stuff is not leading to joy. And you are king, and I want to serve you. God calls you to turn from your ways and run to him just like the younger brother did. That's the calling for us tonight. But this may not be your story. Maybe you are awesome. Maybe you're religious. Maybe you're a Christian. Some of us are Christians in here, I think. But things may be off in your relationship with God because you're not pursuing him for him, but you're pursuing him for what he can give you. God is also calling you to repent. God's calling me to repent. So I'm not saying you, I'm saying me too. So like the older brother, we need to repent for pursuing God only to get his stuff. I love how this story doesn't end with the younger brother because if it did, it would suggest that the only sinners in the world are those who go crazy or party or free spirits, and it would suggest that the only people that God saves are, and the only people that God shows his grace to are those who have a wild past. It would suggest that the righteous people in our culture don't need grace, don't need a salvation experience, don't need the love of God. But as I said earlier, the great sin of humanity is pursuing God's, or God's stuff over him. So sometimes it's, or it's just not as vivid as it was with the younger brother's story. Sometimes it's, it kind of looks like we're pursuing God like it did with the older brother. But we're actually only doing it to get his blessings or to get his stuff or to see what he can do for us. We're doing it for the get out of hell free car. We're doing it because we want rewards in heaven. We're doing it because mom told me to. We're doing it for the wrong reasons. We are just, just all about appearing, or appearing righteous and appearing holy, but we don't actually have an intimate relationship with God. Just ask yourself right now: Do I have an intimate relationship with God? Ask yourself that. That's the question tonight. Do you have an intimate relationship with God where he is the Lord of your life? Whatever he says, go. You're going to bow before him. Do you have that relationship? Because some of us have substituted religion for relationship, and that's crummy. That's not going to lead to joy or satisfaction. That's not going to lead to life. So ultimately, or the older brother and the younger brother or the younger brother actually struggle with the same sin deep down. So I kind of put them in two categories. But it's actually it's kind of the same thing. It's the sin of putting God's stuff over him and not actually having a relationship with him. The sin of just... Or just using God for what He can give us. So the religious people in this room, you guys need just as much grace as the free spirits do. You have not earned your guys. You've not earned your spot in heaven. You've not earned anything from God. God owes you nothing. There's nothing you can do to put God in your debt. There's nothing. There's nothing you can do. I don't care what your past is. Maybe you're the church kid. I was like the all star in children's church. I knew all about Noah's Ark, all that stuff. It didn't matter. The beautiful thing is when we repent of our self-righteousness and our pride, God responds in the exact same way as he does with the sinners who have gone crazy. Verse 31 says, Son, you are always with me, and all that is mine is yours. It was fitting to, to celebrate and be glad, for this your brother was dead, and now he's alive, he was lost, and now he's found. He comes out and he treats you just like he does with the younger brother. So religious people, tonight's our night to have our salvation experience. Come on, tonight's our night to bow before the king and say, I need your grace. My works are not cutting it. Going to church once or twice, or going to church once or twice a month is not cutting it. I need something more. I need intimacy with God. God is calling you to that. God is coming out and saying, Come into the party of true relationship. So, one of the things for me that actually led to my fallout with God as a teenager was I thought I was supposed to obey God so that He would love me. I thought if I obeyed God, he would love me, give me blessings, give me trinkets from heaven. I would have rewards, like a big golden road would come when I get to heaven, and I just like have a bike that's gold, and it would be awesome because I was so good. I was such a good kid. I thought if I obeyed God enough, then he would love me. And then when pornography crept into my life, I realized I can't obey God on my own, and then I thought God didn't love me. I thought this, I thought that the gospel... Or the good news or message of Jesus was, if I obey, then I'll be loved. Yeah, throw that up on the screen. So the gospel is not, if I obey, then I'll be loved. The gospel is, you are so loved, you are so forgiven, you are so sinful, yet at the same time, God loved you, and therefore, you should obey him out of gratitude for what he's done for you. I tried to obey the rules so that I could be a good Christian, but I didn't actually have an intimate relationship. Or an intimate relationship with him. I just wanted to be a good Christian kid. You know, I wore the Christian t-shirts. They were so bad. Don't do it. Like, he died for me. I live for him on the back. And walk around school like, what's I had a purity ring when I was like eight. Come on, ladies. What's up? I'm like, purity ring. I'm not saying purity rings are bad. If you have it, that's cool. But, um, yeah. Yeah. I'm kidding. If you really have a purity ring, I think it's great. I really do. I wore a purity ring on my necklace until I got married, so. (laughs) So, (laughs) I feel like I just dissed some of you, and I'm not trying to. (laughs) So, I was oblivious to the fact that I was sinful. We're going to work on this for next week, just so you know. It's not going to happen again. I was oblivious to the fact that I was sinful, and far from God until these more obvious sins began to cre- or creep into my life. Then when they did, I didn't actually know how to find freedom from my sin because God's grace is the fuel for freedom. And I didn't understand God's grace, so I could find freedom from those sins. And I just got trapped because I kept trying to obey, but I couldn't. Then I kept feeling condemned, and it just was the cycle of sin and despair. And then all of a sudden, I became the younger brother. I became the younger brother. I was just, just rolling around in pigs. So I went from being an older brother to a younger brother, just rolling around in pigs trying to pursue the things of the world. So I was both, okay? And I still am in some ways. We are still struggling if we're Christians. There's still a struggle. Guys, that's my story. That's my story. And then when everything fell apart in July of 2011, I finally realized how sinful I was the whole time. I didn't even know if I was ever saved. I was like, I've been so sinful, I thought I could obey to get God to love me. How crazy is that? So it took becoming the younger brother, to realize my older brother's sins. And I'm here to tell you tonight that if, you're, that if you're an older brother, you don't have to go through that same journey as I did where you have to experience the younger brother stuff. There's people who, who can realize that, that God loves them so much and they're pretty good religious people, but they realize that it's all by God's grace, then they can live a life free, free of that younger brother's story. And that is an awesome testimony from God. That is a good thing. We don't just celebrate the crazy stories. That is an incredible thing. So if we're honest, some of you and me, Our older brother's in this room. You've done the church thing. You're religious. You have went to youth group. You don't drink or smoke, and you're proud of it. I didn't drink or smoke in high school. Come on, I'm so cool. That's some of your story. Like you didn't have sex yet. Good job. But you don't really have an intimate relationship with God. You're kind of missing the point because you're just obeying rules. But you don't have intimacy with the Father and you're not eager to spend time with him, let's be honest, do you really want to spend time with God? Or is it just about religion? Do you get up in the morning and say, I need to read my Bible, I need to pray, I need to seek the Lord because he loves me so much? If that's you, that's incredible. And there are some of us, or some of you who like, have gone through this experience and, and you get it and you're pursuing Jesus and I'm not condemning you. But for some of us, like, we don't really want to spend time with Jesus. We don't really want to spend time with God. We don't want to read our Bible. We don't really want to grow in our faith. We just want to go through the motions so like the older brother, you're doing all the right things, but you're not actually entering into an intimate relationship with God. So God is asking you tonight to come into the party of joy, of life, and relationship with Him. But you're hesitant to admit the deep-rooted sin in your heart because you thought you are so good for so long. You're hesitant to, to admit that you're not as righteous as it may appear to other people. But until you, or until you admit this, until you repent, you can't have the intimacy with God that you were made for. So tonight, God wants you to encounter the reality that that none of your righteous deeds earns you anything. The only way that you get to God is through Jesus, through his sacrifice, through his grace. Guys, it's not a relationship based on what God can do for you, but it's a relationship based on gratitude of what he's already done for you on the cross. If you're an older brother in here, all you have to do is turn to the Father, go in, To the party. Don't be like that brother. And he'll forgive you in an instant. He'll run to you just like he did with the younger brother. He'll kiss you. He'll pull his robes up. He'll run. He's going to do the same thing for you. You just have to have a moment where you admit your sin and repent. The worship team could come up. The main point tonight is this Jesus makes us brand new through extravagant forgiveness not just forgiveness for the younger brothers, but forgiveness for all of us because we're all incredibly sinful before God. We're deeply flawed. We've all, we all have our struggles. But at the same time, God loves you more than you could ever dream. So you may be asking, how does God forgive us? And you can dim the lights if you want. Does he just forget about our sin and call it good? Because that's the story that some people tell, that God just forgets about it. Is that what he does? He does. He does forget about it or in a sense, but it's through Jesus. So the beautiful thing about our God is he's not just a loving God. He's, God is love. It says that in 1 John, but he's also a just God. He's a God of justice. And he still deals with sin, and he still punishes sin. Like, how good would a judge be if a criminal comes to him, had just murdered people, and then he says, oh, go ahead, go free. Like, no one's got to pay a penalty. No, God still, God still pays the penalty. He punishes sin. The thing is, he just doesn't punish us. See, the world was created good and perfect. In the beginning, it was good. God said it was good. But each of us have rebelled, just like the first humans did against God, by choosing the world, choosing his stuff over him. And because of our rebellion, each of, each of us deserved death. Romans 6, 23 says, The wages of sin is death. So the proper, or the proper penalty, the proper judgment for our sin is death, eternal death, hell. Just as the penalty for, for murder in our country is life in prison or death, the penalty for our sin is death. It's the just, good penalty that each of us have to pay. The thing is, you know, like each of us are supposed to pay it, but God doesn't make us pay our penalty. See, God sent his own son, so think about this. God the Father God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Three in one, for all of eternity, having perfect intimacy, perfect love and relationship with each other. Theologians call it the eternal dance. For all of eternity, they're just, they're just having a great time together, okay? And then God sends his own son, Jesus, so, so Jesus steps down out of this dance. He comes to the world and he's born as a human baby. So God, of all eternity, he's before all things, he created all things, he become, God becomes a human baby in Jesus Christ, and then Jesus lives in our world, and we know how messed up our world is, all the temptations that any of us have faced, and Jesus lives a perfect life, Jesus never gives in to those temptations, Jesus never gives in, and then what is his reward, Jesus is crucified, he's put on a cross, and the thing is, is, you know, we look at, like, the movie, The Passion of the Christ, and we say, wow, that's brutal, that's brutal, you know, I got beat up by people. But the crazy thing is, guys, that's not what was so profound on that day. You know? like it did hurt. It hurts to get beat and put on a cross. But, was, but what was even harder for him was, in that moment, God turned his back on him. Think about this, guys. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, perfect intimacy for all of eternity. And then all of a sudden, that's just separated. And Jesus pays our penalty. Jesus bears the wrath of God. The wages of sin is death, and our God paid that that wage for us. And then it doesn't stop there. That's not the end of the story. Three days later, the tomb begins to shake, and Jesus rises from the dead. He defeats death, sin, hell, and the grave. That's our God. There's more historical evidence that Jesus Christ rose from the dead than there is that Julius Caesar existed. If Jesus rose from the dead... And that changes everything. If Jesus rose from the dead, then he is God, and we better bow before him tonight. We better bow before him because that dude defeated death. He is God. So Jesus defeats death and he purchases for us eternity. Guys, we can have eternal life. We can defeat death as well. You know, each of us are gonna die and go in the ground, but at the end of the age, God is gonna raise our bodies and he will judge us. And he's either gonna say, Hey, you're in or you're out, based upon if you've accepted. The sacrifice of Jesus. All it takes is a, just a moment, like the younger brother had, where he turns and runs to God and says, God, I messed up. I've sinned. I need you. I need you. We all need to have that moment, and some of us haven't had that moment in this room. Have you come before God and said, I need you. I know I'm sinful. I have nothing to give you. All I have to give you is my stinky self and all my sin, and then God will give you in return his love. He'll put on a robe, put on a ring. He'll kiss you. He'll hug you, and he'll throw a big party for you in heaven, that transaction needs to happen tonight for a lot of us. Religious people, crazy people, all of us. And if you're a Christian in this room, you need to have a moment where you remember God's grace. You remember that it's only through His grace that you can stand before Him. So if we could stand all across this room about to close here. God is calling all of us into true Authentic, real relationship with him not where we perform for him but but this intimate relationship where he knows everything about us and we know him and we have intimacy he's calling us to be a people who know that our sins were paid for on the cross and that Jesus defeated death for us he's calling us to respond by placing our whole trust in him and saying you are Lord of my life I'll deny myself I'll follow you So tonight I'm here to tell you this, God's forgiveness is great. It's extravagant. But in order to receive that, you have to come to him and surrender your life. Stop holding on. Let go. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. So something we like to do every week at Chi Alpha is the in we have two ways to respond. So, you know, a lot of times in church we just give people who aren't Christians yet a chance to respond. But I want to give all the Christians in this room an opportunity to respond. So the first question is for those of you who are Christians and you want to respond. And the second question is for those of you who want to put your faith in Jesus, who, people who want to recommit their life to him. So if that's you, don't raise your hand for the first question. Okay, so for the first thing is this. If you're a Christian in this room, but your heart has not been completely after Jesus. You know, maybe you've allowed your faith to drift or or your love for God to dwindle. Maybe you've kind of made it like more into religion than relationship. If that's you, if just something spoke to you tonight, just raise your hand just between you and God. No one's looking. Tons of hands going up all across the room. God, we want true relationship with you. God, we repent. We repent. You can put your hands down. And this is for those of you who want to make Jesus the Lord of your life. Today is a new day for you. God has come to make all things new. 2 Corinthians 5.17. It says, if anyone is in Christ, then he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. If you want to put your faith in Jesus, if you want to accept that transaction, give him your filthy rags, and in return have love and acceptance before God. Or if you need to recommit or recommit your life to him, if that's you tonight, just put up your hand right now. There's nobody looking around. Just between you and God. There's one. Is there anyone else? There's two, three. Or is there anyone else in this room? This is a night. Four. Is there anyone else? Five? That's you. Put up your hand right now. It's between you and God. Alright. Tons of hands going up. So I'm gonna pray for us Christians first, and then I want to pray the most the most incredible prayer you could pray, the prayer of putting your faith in Jesus. And we'll all pray that together in your hearts. So, God, we come before you tonight and we're just admitting that that sometimes we drift, you know, we may be a Christian, but the tendency is to drift from you, to drift from your grace, to think we can earn salvation, or God, maybe we've been putting sin before you. God, we want to repent tonight. As Christians, we want to repent and just say, Jesus, just help us to, or to, or to remember that it's only by your grace. The second group of us, for those of us who want to put our faith in Jesus for the first time, I'm going to pray out loud, and you just pray in your heart. God, I come to you, and I admit that I've messed up. I, God, I admit that I'm a sinner. God, I, God, I've been rolling around with pigs, kind of like the younger brother has. Or, or God, maybe I've been religious, but haven't had a relationship. But tonight, Lord, I want to put my faith in you and trust in the cross of Christ. I want to trust that you have paid the penalty for my sins. God, I'm putting my faith in you. God, I love you, and I thank you for paying for my sin. God, I want to have a new life in you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, guys, we're going to worship just for a couple more minutes, and then we'll close.